This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. The experts at Web.com want to build your business a successful website for free, just like we did for these current Web.com customers. We've used and and looked at other website designers, but there's nobody better than Web.com. Web.com can build your website in as little as seven days free. Plus, we'll promote it on all the major search engines like Google, Yahoo, and Bing. If after 30 days you're happy, we'll continue to provide promotion, hosting, support, and maintenance, all for one low monthly fee. If not, cancel and pay nothing. If you're in business today and you don't have a web presence, you won't be taken seriously. Call right now and you'll also get a free .com or .net domain name for your new website powered by VeriSign, the world's leading domain name provider. Call 800-490-1099 or go to web.com slash radio. That's 800-490-1099. No upfront charge for site build, after which ongoing fees apply. Rights to site are relinquished when canceled. Domain included during active service, after which fees apply. The Buck Sexton Show. So there's some new stuff, or at least some new analysis you've got here about the Clinton emails that I think everybody needs to hear. Uh, the sort of you know headline I put on it is that based on the Podesta leaks, these are Obama, as you say, the Obama-Clinton emails. President Obama was tied up in this. Can you walk us through? Everyone's heard a lot about emails, Andy, but they haven't heard this angle. What's the Obama-Clinton part of the email server scandal? Yeah, the funny thing, Buck, is this is the dispositive angle, which I've kind of tried to tell people since last spring probably. But uh, it eked out that there are about 18 I've, – I've heard the number reported at 18 and 22 at different times. But let's say 18 – emails between President Obama and Mrs. Clinton over, at the time she was Secretary of State, over her private email account, uh, which means obviously the president knew that that was how she was operating. What we found out, uh, let me back up before we get to the new revelation. What I began to argue last spring was that if Obama was knowingly having high-level communications with the Secretary of State on a non-secure uh, half uh, homebrew communication system, then he was essentially, even if not in the scope, uh, he was in principle committing the same activity that Mrs. Clinton was permit- uh, committing. And in fact, if you ever indicted Mrs. Clinton, the Obama-Clinton emails would be admissible evidence in the trial against Clinton. So my sense was that that was never going to happen in the sense that the president was never going to allow that to happen. And I think that Obama's conflict of interest more than anything else was what steered this uh, ship, uh, which ended up in Mrs. Clinton not being charged. We find out with the FBI reports, and this is truly unbelievable, that the president not only had these email exchanges with Mrs. Clinton, he was using an alias, which suggests to me at least that she's not the only person he's communicating with, uh, you know, over, uh, over private uh, email communication. And this is important because conversations with the president, with high level officials where they're talking about uh, important U.S. policy or security matters are presumptively classified under the president's own executive order. Uh, You know, it doesn't matter that they're not marked classified. And indeed, 
General Petraeus, who was prosecuted by the Justice Department for mishandling classified information, one of the things that the Justice Department stressed in that prosecution was that these journals over which he was prosecuted contained his notes of his conversations with the President of the United States, which, again, were presumptively classified. So I think it just underscores that once it was clear that Obama had engaged in this behavior, there was no way they were going to prosecute Clinton for it. And most of what has gone on in the last several months is to change the, in the public mind at least, the law that was necessary uh, or, or that applied to Mrs. Clinton in a way that it was conveyed by the, by the president, by the Justice Department, and by the FBI, uh, conveyed in a way that uh, there was no way the evidence met it. So they put out the story that, you know, there was no proof that Mrs. Clinton was trying to harm American national security, even though, uh, you know, nerds like you and I know that that's not an element of the crime that we're talking about. Right. And and it, it's also apparent, and you make, you say this in your piece, and it's apparent from the timeline of the history, o- Obama lied about this. <laughs> I think that's worth, <laughs> o- Obama sure flat out lied. Yeah, and, and we know that now even more on the basis of these uh, WikiLeaks disclosures of John Podesta's hacked emails. Uh, Podesta, in about March of 2015, was transitioning at that point from being the president's top advisor in the White House to the chairman of the Hillary Clinton presidential campaign. Uh, he's there. Uh, having email communication with uh, the Clinton camp when the New York Times blows this story that Clinton's using this uh, homebrew server system. And he has a conversation, well, not a conversation, he has an email exchange with Cheryl Mills, who was uh, one of Mrs. Clinton's top aides, uh, right after the Times breaks the story and right after the House issues a subpoena for Mrs. Clinton's emails. Podesta says in the email to Cheryl Mills, uh, maybe we should invoke executive privilege on the emails between Hillary and the president, uh, which means they were actually they are obviously at the front of his mind, at the front of the mind of the White House and at the front of the mind of the Clinton camp. And that's important because about a day after this email, Obama actually goes out and starts making public statements, including some that are televised saying he didn't know anything about Mrs. Clinton's private system and that he read about it in the news just like everybody else. Right. This is what he's this is like what isn't that what uh, is it Eric Holder or Obama who said that he learned. Uh, no, it's Eric Holder, right, who learned about Fast and Furious from the newspapers. This yeah, is a classic line yeah. for this administration. Yeah, they're the only ones reading newspapers anymore. But uh, it seems that they 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 certainly read about these uh, these scandals that they find themselves in the middle of. What is the Benghazi angle that you write about in your piece here? Again, this is Andy McCarthy writing on NationalReview.com, and he's got a piece here that looks at the Podesta leaks and how that ties into the Obama-Clinton email exchanges. What's the Benghazi angle, Andy? Well, here, here's the thing, and this is, is mainly a timing thing. And, you know, this is like uh, most sort of intelligence puzzles. I, I can't guarantee that this is what happened, but these are the, the pieces of the puzzle that we have. Uh, The Times breaks the story on March 2nd, 2015. The House issues a subpoena for all of – for Mrs. Clinton's emails on March 4th, two days later. Uh, There's an email exchange 
between and among people in the Clinton campaign, including Cheryl Mills again and Robbie Mook, who was the, uh, the campaign manager. And what Mook says to uh, Mills is, by the way, this subpoena is only for the Benghazi emails, right? Not for all the emails. And Mills confirms that this is correct. In the middle, timing-wise, of this exchange between Mills and, uh, and Mook is when this communication between Podesta and Mills happens, where Podesta raises the problem of the, the emails between Clinton and Obama. So it seems to me that you have to ask, because Benghazi was really one of the things that tripped all of this, the, the, the fact that they had issued a subpoena and were demanding Mrs. Clinton's emails, and then all of a sudden Podesta is worried about emails between Clinton and Obama. You have to at least ask, is that because there was some tie between the Clinton-Obama emails and Benghazi? Because that seems to be something that they were very concerned about at the time that uh, that Podesta thought it was important enough to talk to Mills about, you know, what do we do about these Hillary-Obama emails? Do you think – is a big reason this hasn't been more of a, a landed punch on the Clinton campaign – is it just is it just the complexity and the duration of all this? Is that you think what? Because you know, as you make the case, and as I sit here and I pull it all together in my head and think about all the times it's been lied about, all of the information that we now know, it would seem to be devastating. But I feel like in the public mind, it's not. It's certainly not for you know election purposes because of the complexity and because we've been talking about it for so many months. Or or is there something else that I'm that I'm missing? Well, I, I don't th- I don't think there's one answer, but I think. W- the answer you're giving here is the, is the closest one, if there were a single complete answer. I heard uh, Brett Baer on Fox one day last week talking about Benghazi and saying that, you know, there was such a great story there, but it was complicated. And one of the big problems, is, especially when you're dealing with people's attention spans being so limited and there being so much news, is that with Benghazi, it was sufficiently complex that every time you reported the story, you kind of had to tell the whole story to explain how these new pieces fit in and it just makes it a little bit difficult for people to wrap their brain around and then i think you know the other thing that you have to acknowledge is that you know trump is kind of uh, bounding around like the uh you know like the 2000 pound elephant all over everything uh in a way and and making either outrageous statements or being involved in in uh, very notable incidents that are easy to report. So he was kind of dominating the news and I I think sucking a lot of the oxygen out of what was available for all the other newsworthy stories. And then, of course, there's the fact that, uh, you know, I I think sometimes, Buck, we've had this wrong. Those of us who say that the press is an adjunct of the Democratic Party, um, I'm starting to think that actually it's the Democratic Party that's an adjunct of, of the, press, <laughs> the press, and that they're really the they're steering the the right. Uh, they're calling you know, the, the shots. Movement progressives, uh, but you know the fact of the matter is, if it's a story that's harmful to Democrats, they'll grudgingly report it just so they can say they did. But they certainly just don't give it the kind of attention that they would give if this was a similar story involving Republicans. Just a fact. 
Now, Andy, there's something else that's come up in the news the last couple of days, and I don't want to be conspiratorial, um, but but I do think there's there's definitely some meat on the bone here. Has to do with this general who has now pled to uh, saying, or sorry, he he has pled guilty to lying to the FBI during the course of a leak investigation to the press. I have two thoughts on this, and I wanted your uh, your sense of you know how how much I'm on on the mark here, and maybe how much I might be a little bit mm-hmm. reaching. One. Is that this? See, this when we, when you and I and others talk about the sort of special treatment that the Clintons got by giving immunity to people around them, by setting up the procedures the way that they did, this sort of sort of Damocles that hangs over the heads of normal people when they deal with the FBI was taken away in the whole Clinton investigation. Right? There was no way that they were going to run afoul of lying, and, and some people actually argue they did run afoul of lying to federal investigators, and but that's a whole even separate point. So I feel like the, 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 the disparate treatment of this, this uh, retired general versus Hillary and her inside circle is apparent from the way the investigation was conducted. And then the place where it might be reaching a little bit is I feel like this is DOJ saying, don't get any ideas, anyone, just so you know. That was a Hillary and friends only exception. We'll still crush people for violating aspects of either the Espionage Act or in this case, actually just lying to federal investigators. Well, maybe we're in the same conspiracy boat together then, because I think both those things are right. I, you know, look, Boom. I, I've been saying victory. About, Sorry, go ahead, well, Andy. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I, I think it's right. I mean, I, I, I think I've been saying from the beginning, you know, having been around this kind of stuff for a long time, there's a way that the Justice Department acts and the FBI acts when they're trying to make a case versus how they act when they're trying to not make a case. And it seems to me that this is a classic comparison between these two. And if you want to see why, just put Mrs. Clinton on the side for a second, if that's possible. This character, Paul Cumbetta, who they gave immunity to, immunity from prosecution, right? Complete immunity, not, uh, you know, not just... Uh, not limited uh, immunity, uh, yeah. Uh, limited immunity, right? Um, he, how did he end up getting immunity? He lied to the FBI about destroying, well, you know, not, he said he hadn't had anything to do with uh, destroying emails, which was a total lie. And they knew it was a total lie. Now, in a normal case, what you do is you squeeze him to plead guilty and tell you everything he knows in exchange for sentencing leniency. Instead, what they did in this national security investigation, like, just like with this general, involving mishandling of classified information, just like with this general, with a guy lying to the FBI, just like this general, they gave him a complete pass. And then he tells an implausible story once they give him immunity. Uh, he says, well, yeah, I did destroy the emails, but the conversations I was having with Clinton's people at the very same time and the congressional subpoena that came at the same time that I was doing that destruction, that had nothing to do with it. I just had a moment where I remembered something that was said to me months ago and said, oh, my goodness, I forgot to destroy those emails. Yeah, he found That's the post-it really- note on his desk. <laughs> yeah, right. So this, this story that he tells is preposterous. And I, I actually heard uh, Director Comey, who I have a great deal of admiration for, but, you know, it is what it is. He says in his testimony that, you know, look, I don't judge whether uh, what he's saying is true or not. I don't, I don't have to trust him. What I have to be able to do is do I have evidence that proves that what he's saying is not true. Now, I must say I was a prosecutor for 20 years. Um, I learned in the same office that uh, that Jim did. I had a fair amount of success doing it. Uh, I never heard of a rule that if you don't have positive evidence that somebody's 
lying that you have to accept whatever preposterous story they tell you. <laughs> and I have a, I, my sense of things is I wouldn't have been a prosecutor very long if that was the way I went about yeah, things. I, I think you're right there, Andy. Andy McCarthy, everybody, from the Nash Review Institute. Read his latest on NashReview.com and definitely, definitely give him a follow on Twitter. Andy, always great to have you, sir. Thank you for your time. Thanks so much, Buck. The Buck Sexton Show. The experts at Web.com want to build your business a successful website for free, just like we did for these current Web.com customers. We've used and, and looked at other website designers, but there's nobody better than Web.com. Web.com can build your website in as little as seven days free. Plus, we'll promote it on all the major search engines like Google, Yahoo, and Bing. If after 30 days you're happy, we'll continue to provide promotion, hosting, support, and maintenance, all for one low monthly fee. If not, cancel and pay nothing. If you're in business today and you don't have a web presence, you won't be taken seriously. Call right now and you'll also get a free .com or .net domain name for your new website powered by VeriSign, the world's leading domain name provider. Call 800-490-1099 or go to web.com slash radio. That's 800-490-1099. No upfront charge for site build, after which ongoing fees apply. Rights to site are relinquished when canceled. Domain included during active service, after which fees apply.